Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about uh, content strategy, marketing strategy, how you can uh, create yours. And I'm excited to discuss this topic with Andrew Deutsch. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you know, it's a big pleasure to learn from experts. Uh, before we start, introduce a little bit about yourself, your background, because when I check out your LinkedIn profile, you, you have extensive experience in this topic. Yeah, I mean, my, my career began in global trade. I've, I've worked in about 120 different countries over the years. Uh, and our goal is to help clients really understand how to build their strategy before they go to market and, and, and start implementing all sorts of tactics that don't lead them anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, f- from my experience, uh, many projects fail because they usually uh, copy their competitors, try to steal uh, their traffic sales by using totally the same methods. Even if you open uh, some uh, guides, uh, marketing guides, and they proclaim you need to analyze your co- competitors. It doesn't mean that you need to copy them. <laughs> it's better to uh, search for their weaknesses, lack of quality content, outdated information, and provide in your marketing strategy. Can you provide more insights? Uh, for example, if uh, I'm going to launch a new product, where I need to start? Well, you, you need to start with the customer. I mean, what 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 exactly is the problem that you're trying to solve for the public? Because if you have a well-defined problem to solve and a solution that's unique, that that that's obvious as a solution for that problem, you're halfway there. In product launch, there, there's we, we talk about three categories of products. There's the product that was created to solve a problem nobody ever had, nobody ever knew. Um, I don't know in 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 your country, but it, here at two o'clock in the morning, you're watching the news, and there's you know there's an advertisement for a new solution for opening cans because people have been trying to find a solution, and you're like, I've been opening cans all my life, it's meaningless. Why 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 did you come out with this product? So they're solving a problem we don't have. Then there's products that solve a problem that we're not aware that we have, but when we see the product or we see the campaign, it reminds us that that problem exists. The iPhone, perfect example. iPhone came out, no one really realized that they needed a smartphone because it was completely new. But when folks recognized what it could do for them, it was absolutely a solution. Now, the key is finding a true known challenge problem in the market that you have a solution for. uh, And it's obvious because people know they have the problem and they recognize the solution right away. So depending on where you are in those three camps determines how you start to build your strategy to bring that product to market. Yeah, great, valuable. Okay, let's talk about uh, uh, launching new pro, uh, products or projects. It doesn't matter. Just, um, um, for example, you proclaim that you need to learn uh, the gap in market in the market that we have. Uh, and um, I know that many big brands, they usually uh, grow when... Uh, Customers uh, are, um, are not satisfied with uh, current uh, products. And uh, when they see these gaps, they uh, can create something new, unique, and help them uh, to simplify their lives. Uh, but, you know, uh, once I read a, 
uh, one study that you need to start uh, early. That means you don't need to wait when you have uh, the perfect product. It's better to do it when you have the first version to learn from your uh, customers uh, and uh, improve and develop, uh, innovate these products. Can you provide more insights? For example, yeah. if you know that your product are not well, you know, and your competitors might beat you on uh, any sides at any size. Yeah. yeah. Remember, there, there's two different kinds of value. There's there's real value and there's also perceived value. So what I mean by perceived value is that people recognize or, or have a belief that a product can do something that it may or may not, but but they have the, the belief behind it. The problem is that that most of these launches that happen in the market are done in in, in isolation. In other words, the, the company has a series of things that they think are valuable in their product, but they've never really understood how the, the, the public who's going to be buying that product, what matters to them. You go to market and you say, oh, I have my, my product does this, this and that. And that's why we're so proud. And the customer's like, well, those aren't the that isn't what I'm looking for. It's something else. So so it really it, I'll give you an example. It was a, a company years ago that was in the in the steel drum industry. They make the drums that you transport chemicals with. And they, they wanted to know why they how they could grow in the in the market. And they were so proud that they were using nationally sourced steel and they met all the ANSI, which are the, 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 the manufacturing standards. And they were ISO certified and, and they could paint it and any, all of these things. And the reality is all of these things that they were talking about in their product are just what you need to be in business. You can't sell steel drums if you can't meet all those requirements. The reason people did business with them had nothing to do with product. It had to do with service. They're the only company that has live people who answer the phone and solve problems. They're the only people that when there's an issue, they can flex manufacture and get you a, a, a solution in a week as opposed to months. It was all about personal touch. It was all about high service and saving buyers necks by, by being able to solve their problems. So when they built their strategy to grow the business, all of the marketing were these things that the buyers recognized as value. And they, they more than doubled the, the company in less than two and a half years. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 the strategy isn't always about the product. It's about what the product can do. We say in, in, in the U.S., if you're in marketing, you never, never open up a steak restaurant and sell the steak. You open the restaurant and you sell the sizzle. The sound the steak makes when when it's cooking and 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 brings water to your mouth and gets you excited. Unless of course you're a vegan, then then it's a pama, I don't know a, a eggplant that's sizzling. But uh, you know it's it's really when you're launching products, it's about what is the 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 benefit of that product that matters to the customer, not what matters to you. And the features that exist within the product are only your proof that the benefit's real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. Okay, uh, let's talk about um, unique selling proposition. I, I know that many um, brands, they usually uh, spend uh, so much time, you know, to analyze their competitors. But uh, I like uh, some example uh, from uh, Elon Musk, uh, and he pays more attention uh, with his products, not competi competition. And uh, can you provide uh, your insights? For example, uh, when I ask you how to analyze competitors, you uh, told me it's better to start from analyzing your uh, customers, learning them. Uh, and uh, how to find this unique selling proposition? Well, we do we do deep uh, research for for our our clients um, to really understand 
th these very things. So many times we'll, we'll do an engagement with a company and we'll ask them as we're looking at, at product or new product or many of the projects that we do, we ask companies to give us the names of 10 of their customers that absolutely love them and give us the names of 10 customers who uh, chose the competition. They lost the deals. And then we also do research for potential customers in the market that they don't know. And we build a, a qualitative conversation study and we go to each of those markets to understand not not product, but but the very values that they have. And when you can when you can combine that information and understand what are the motives for purchase, what are those values from all three camps, bringing that together really gets you the insight that you need to start to understand the strategy. And then and then you build and you do some testing of of, of message to see what resonates and what doesn't. Um, you know, it's it's funny that. There, there is no one customer we talk about customers because it may be like, for example, there, 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 there may be a group of customers that has a very specific set of needs. Uh, and then there is a group of customers that have very different needs and don't care. So if, if, if they're attainable in isolation, but for example, imagine you're selling to uh, people of, of, of highly religious background and you're also selling to people who are atheists. And they're, you're, you're gonna, you, you want to sell to both, but you don't want to create a campaign that, that excites one and turns off the other. Well, how, how can you then strategically build a tactical approach where you're giving two different messages and two different markets that don't overlap? So, so all of that goes into the, the core strategy. I get the argument all the time from people, well, well, shoot first and aim and work on your aim later. And, and we, we equate that to trying to kill mosquitoes with a shotgun. It, it doesn't work. If, if, if you want to truly understand how to grow your business and understand your total attainable market, it requires a little bit of homework. It doesn't mean, it never means, let's spend five years figuring this out while the competitors take the market from us. It's the right amount of time to really do the understanding and make the proper investment so that when you're spending money on on either driving people to your website or getting people excited about or creating brand awareness or any of those other things that happen, uh, your, your money is well spent. I, I remember years ago, a, a program where they were using a keyword in, in their SEO that was too general. And when we did the evaluation, they had spent $150,000 to find people who had absolutely no interest in the product that they had because it had a similar name to, to a totally different market. So had they built their strategy and really understood what it was that their market searches for, that would have been $150,000 they could have put towards finding real customers. Yeah, great. Okay, you mentioned that it doesn't work. You know, I think uh, it uh, worked <laughs> in the past because when, uh, for example, I remember when uh, 10 years ago, I started my uh, Google Ads campaign. Um, I didn't have any experience, sure. but uh, market was not overwhelmed and overpriced uh, as we have today. Mm -hmm. You know, I just uh, said uh, uh, I, I got uh, low. Uh, I mean, like. Uh, uh, clicks that uh, didn't cost a lot, uh, like uh, a few cents, and uh, got a lot of sales with that. But today, yeah, I completely agree. It's better to create your uh, buying persona and set up campaigns. Even if you have two different groups, you can uh, create two campaigns, yeah, two landing mm -hmm. pages and uh, uh, get them. 
Let's talk about technical aspect. Uh, you mentioned that uh, you need to learn customers. Uh, how to do it? For example, uh, I want to uh, um, order your services. And uh, my customers uh, order SEO services, digital marketing, organic reach, and something like this. How you can learn my customers? Uh, you, you will use some tools or you talk to them. Uh, provide just a technical aspect of this. Yeah, there, it, it really depends if we're talking about the consumer space, the commercial space, or the industrial or, or business to business space. But tip, typically, there there are some great tools out there for for doing the prospecting. Uh, LinkedIn is one of them. There's uh, DNB has a, a search program that's that's somewhat reliable. There's Zoom Info. There's there's a million different ways that that you can search to to gain a pool to to begin. And then it becomes, you know, as, as much as everybody thinks that, that automation works, that personal touch has always been far more effective for us than sending bots out to try to try to win a market. Most people are sick of it. And the one thing that we almost never do as an organization, never, is surveys. Because surveys only tell you what people who, are, who have enough time on their hands to fill out surveys want to tell you, or people who are really angry or the super satisfied, you never get the actual market on those things. I mean, I don't know, I don't know in, in Kiev where you are, if, if this is the case, anytime the bank calls me or I call them, or I call a business who knows who I am, within five minutes, I get a survey. And if I don't fill out the survey, I get 20, 30 emails bothering me because I didn't fill out the survey. Uh, those surveys, the data is almost useless in the marketing strategy of, of, of a company. I've analyzed it so many times and the information is so skewed uh, that that's not a tool that we that we use anymore. Uh, it's just it's just not the personal interview is still the most powerful way with skilled qualitative analysts uh, to get the information that's that's needed to move forward on a project. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Never thought, you know, I love using uh, polls uh, and uh, analyze uh, online studies but uh, yeah i agree uh, it's estimation you know it's the average mm -hmm. data uh, each case is different uh, yep. and uh, it's better to uh, to provide deep learning to analyze uh, more time uh, okay uh, let's talk about linkedin you mentioned that uh, you use linkedin can you uh, provide how you do it uh, for example you post content uh, linkedin navigator or any other features that you will use on linkedin to uh, get this data again there's no there's no set system it depends on what my goals are but let, let's talk about polls on linkedin you brought up mm -hmm. i usually don't post a poll because i care about what the results are I post a poll because I want to see who responds to it. You can see in the in the data in the background the people who who engaged with it and who they are and what they did. What their answers are, it's usually not important. It's 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 more about finding finding potential potential people that you could do business with or 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 partner with or share information. The most the most common thing that we do with LinkedIn is reaching out to folks who we've researched that that are a fit either for the research that we're doing or potential clients for for products and services that we're working with and we reach out and ask them for expertise to help us not only possibly sell to them but more so gain their expertise to then build a much better strategy leading towards tactics to, to grow the business so for example <clears throat> back in the in the steel drum industry i had a client who manufactured the perfect mixing system to be able to mix chemicals inside of drums 
that resolved eight problems that truly exist in that market. So we use LinkedIn to reach out to engineers and people who, who are experts and, and who are the buyers involved in buying chemicals that require mixing and asked for their expertise to gain better language to know how to build the campaign. Well, in the process of talking to them, many of them ended up being customers, but more so the great information that we gained by connecting with them and asking for their expertise honed the marketing strategy so that when they did go to market and started to promote in other, other more conventional ways, it really resonated with the chemical companies. And, and now people are, are buying these, these new mixers that are extremely more effective than anything in the market and, and make the cost of the drum significantly lower. So, so it was, it was how, how do you tap into expertise and to understand the other thing we use LinkedIn for is the actual network. I may look at your network and say, Hey, you, you know, this guy at this company, is there any way I could get you to introduce me to that person so that, that you can open the door for me. And by the way, I'll do the same for you. Uh, I talked to a CEO who I'd been trying to reach out to for two years and wouldn't talk to me when I realized that a mutual friend knows him. And through LinkedIn, he introduced me and, and it's turning into a very lucrative uh, proposition for both of us, both the CEO and myself. So yeah, I know about ways, lots of ways to use it. Yeah, outreach is very hard because of spam. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, today usually recipients get uh, 121 emails a day. It's like mm -hmm. the average data a lot. Uh, if you are talking about busy people <laughs> who can, yep. uh, uh, who uh, have money, you know, <laughs> I think that, yeah, they get a lot more emails than yeah, uh, email, email is a great strategy too. If you understand your market, you know who you're writing to and you know how to get their attention that they would actually want to click and open the email. And we've done tons of experiments with, with engagement, with lots of different types of emails. And I, I, I can certainly tell you how many a day I delete without opening because it's, <laughs> it's, it's critical to do that. Um, and there are ones that I will open because it, it does, it does match. There's, there's a company here in the U S it's a food, a food product company that I bought something from once and did not like the product. It, it, I, I expected something, a certain size, and it was like a miniature for a lot of money and they are relentless spammers. And I haven't clicked unsubscribe yet because I'm fascinated by a company who I've told, I don't like your product and I will never buy from again. And every day, three, four, five emails promoting their products to me in a way that's contradictory to the way I purchase. They have no clue how absolutely annoying they are. And, and I, I keep them as a, as a reference because when I, when I talk to a client, I show them how we don't do things. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that they give me a bad example because it's a perfect one to explain how, how we do better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. Okay, let's talk about personalization. Uh, how you can personalize your message? For example, if you are talking about busy people uh, who have no time to check out, for example, uh, and um, Brandin shares the study that only 8% of all emails, I don't know about LinkedIn, uh, it's possible uh, the same data uh, because, for example, I get every day a lot of messages on LinkedIn. I, I don't read them, you know, I have no time. I, I can uh, check out only the first sentence and um, I, mm -hmm. I skip reading 
because I know that uh, it's spam, uh, nothing uh, useful for me, and uh, people don't care about my needs. You know, they yeah. only think about their needs. And uh, uh, for example, when um, I try to reach out, uh, Rand Fishkin, Craig Campbell, and many other well-known speakers, uh, I thought about how I can help them, not me. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and well, you uh, answered. You kind of answered your own question in in your statement, the first sentence. Do you yeah. write a sentence that's about you or something that matters to the person? I know one thing, and back back when I was single many, many years ago, the the reason that I, I always dated very, very kind and, and intelligent people was because I was more interested in hearing about them than telling them about me. That first sentence has to be something that matters to them. And if you can start to do your research instead of, you know, uh, sending out, the, it used to be, let's, let's send out 10,000 emails And if 1% click, we win. Well, what would happen if you vetted your 10,000 emails to try to understand who those people were and, and had specific messages for each of the groups based on who they are? So if you're reaching out, for example, to contact HR people or you're reaching out to talk to operations people, maybe that first sentence ought to be personalized to something someone in HR might want to know about as opposed to the operations guy. I mean, their needs, their desires, the, the values and the benefits they seek are totally different. How's an HR person valued in a company compared to an operations person? The operations person is all about productivity and production. HR is about the quality of people and keeping them around. Not having the churn, not having, not having to constantly replace people or being able to expand staff. And their, their goals are completely different. So if you're trying to promote something to either, you want to have a different message. Yeah. Uh, how to personalize this message if uh, uh, you want to send the message to uh, a thousand people? It's hard. I think that uh, all of them are different. Of course, There's they have. There is a reason that they call it work, you know. It's not supposed to be easy. But it can be, it can be more functional. If, if I told you that you could send a thousand emails in 10 seconds, or we could spend and get maybe 1% to, to click, Or we could spend two hours segregating who these people are, where they are, what they are, and in two hours send it out and get 10% click. Was that two hours worthwhile? The problem is we all think that we're so busy we don't have time. Well, by, by, by having that mindset that we no longer need the personal touch, we, we accept success at much lower levels. I don't consider a 1% click rate a success. I think it's a failure. Uh, a 10% click rate is adequate. What, what if you took the time to break it down? I've, I've seen companies that, you know, 10,000 email blasts a day, 10,000. What if you divided that out over, over five days and personalized and slowed down that process, but in the process of slowing it down, you got it right. It's, 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 it's not a numbers game. I, I hate the expression. It, 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 at the end, it's, it's about increasing those numbers. It's and, and to do that requires requires thought. It requires strategy because email blasts are a tactic. They're not a strategy. Okay. Uh, how do you use segmentation? Uh, you mean like to uh, you group people to different uh, subgroups? Uh, you learn them before uh, subgrouping. Can you provide more uh, insights about that? Let's go back, go back about 25, 30 years in when, when data and technology was just sort of starting when you no longer were just using typewriters. 
what was the most powerful tool that came with what was at that time Word and WordPerfect? It was the mail merge. So, so when, a, when you were able, and this was a miracle, was that you could send out 100 emails and have the person's name and the name of their company plugged in because the database would cross and it would, it would create. That was, that was incredible. Well, it's the same today, except now we, we have ways of, of doing it even more powerfully. So, for example, if you're, if you're going to sell to different industries, there are heavy, hot industries, there's other, you, you can segment the group based on what industry they're in, what's the title of the person, and segment out and sort in ways that you're addressing in a much more specific way their needs. If you're, if you're a company that, that's in the steel industry and you have huge energy bills, then maybe, maybe there's a phrase at the beginning about reducing energy cost in your product. Whereas the same product that you're, that you're selling into a company that's more about precision that they have to have you know, within the hundredth of a millimeter or the thousandth of a millimeter precision of what they're doing, then the message for the same email changes to talk about precision and, and the value of, of that. Maybe you're in an industry that has, you're talking to an industry that you know has major issues in plants having to shut down because of, of lack of, of, of supply. Then, then you're going to lead with, with that pain. But, but nonetheless, if you just send it out to all industries uh, with one blanket message, you may only resonate with 2% of which 1% of the two will respond to you. I've, mm -hmm. seen, I've seen email blast campaigns from clients that came to us where they were getting less than one-tenth of 1% response to their emails. And it wasn't because people didn't want to read emails. It was because their emails sucked. It looked like it looked like it came out of the 1980s. It wasn't visually interesting. The message didn't resonate with anybody and they were failing. So when we when we figured out how to segment and personalize their their their, their commentary to actually meet the needs and desires we discovered through our discovery process, uh, they were getting 20 percent click through uh, on, on their campaigns and increased sales. Yeah, agree. Uh, okay, let's get back to marketing strategy. For example, uh, if you are going to promote uh, a bunch of products, mm -hmm. uh, probably ten. Uh, let's take this number, uh, ten products. Uh, how to choose priorities if you have limited resources? You you have no money and resources to promote uh, all ten products, uh, but uh, you need um, uh, and uh, with limited resources, it's better to choose these priorities. Can you provide your way of doing this? Yeah, I, I think people people sort of look past you know. Well, first of all, if if you don't have the resources to be promoting your product. Maybe your strategy should be to raise money to be able to get some resources, uh, to find investors, to find folks, or to look to who's currently uh, involved in, in using your product successfully and how those, those testimonials and endorsements could benefit them as you bring it to, bring it to your market. So, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of ways of doing it. Social media campaigns are very inexpensive. Uh, podcasts, YouTube uh, videos, um, there, there's a lot of things that you can do to, to, to promote a product. I've seen companies do these crazy challenges to do it. I've seen, I'll give you an example. There was a company years ago uh, in the pizza business and they had been a, a legacy company. They'd been around for 20, 30 years and they were failing. Nobody was buying from them anymore. And they realized that they didn't have the capital to go out and promote their business. So what did they do? They, they added to the menu the most disgustingly unhealthy pizza with tons of bacon and other stuff. And every media channel in the U.S. 
covered the story. These guys are trying to kill you with their the most, you know, and all of a sudden they became relevant again. So, so there's lots of things. Year, years ago, when I was working and living in, in Brazil, we did a project for the, the a painting industry where we went, to, we went to war, we went to battle. We did a huge painting job using a, a piece of machinery that basically was able to do a job that would have taken 10 people seven days, one piece of machinery, two assistants, and it was done in two days to show the power of, of, of what this equipment meant to the market. It got all sorts of media coverage. It got the attention of the paint companies who went, wait a minute, if somebody has this equipment, how much more paint are they going to buy? Because they're going to be doing so much more work. And the paint companies got involved and it was all because of the stunt. So there's lots of guerrilla marketing sort of ways when you don't have the resources that creative marketing uh, strategists can can bring bring to play. They can backfire too, but but if you, if you plan it out properly, uh, it gets people talking. I think guerrilla marketing demands uh, skills and experience as well. Yeah, I mean that's that's why that's why Fangled, my company, exists mm -hmm. because we we we've done projects of so many different different flavors over the years, and many of them were 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 really hinged on one really creative idea that that worked for our client. Okay, uh, can you share uh, your insights? How uh, do you learn, uh, and how you find these ideas? I mean, like uh, for example, uh, I love uh, reading blog posts, listen to audio podcasts, uh, read books, uh, because my audience always uh, loves to learn new insights, uh, the way how to learn and uh, to provide the same job that you do. <laughs> how the the only way to learn is to just be ridiculously curious. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I I love getting in conversations with with folks that I work with and people in my network about things that they're doing that are fascinating. I, I watch when when I watch a TV commercial, I don't really care about the product. I try to understand the hidden message behind and what what strategy was there and learn about what they're trying to communicate. I look at post ads, I look at at all of those things and everything I look at, I look at from a from a different a different perspective of curiosity. If you're not a notoriously curious person uh, and you don't recognize that difference is a learning experience and not something to be afraid of, you, you, you can advance in your career in marketing. If you're a person who's constantly looking for things that are the same and, 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 and don't ask questions and don't get people talking, uh, it's very difficult to come up with these creative ideas to do something different in the market. Yeah, agree. And uh, I love learning from uh, different industries. For example, if I see that uh, in some niche, uh, uh, some companies provide uh, different approaches, and uh, yeah, I think how I can adapt in my niche. For example, mm -hmm. yeah, it works very well. By the way, okay. Um, let's talk about uh, creating a strategy. Uh, um, uh, we discussed about. Uh, competition, uh, learning customers, uh, priorities, uh, but how to create content uh, for uh, getting uh, results, insights. Uh, for example, um, I think we have different uh, formats uh, like landing pages for pay-per-click, video, audio format, uh, social media posts. Can you share uh, your insights how to... Sure. Uh, yeah. First of all, none of those are strategies. Those are tactics. Mm -hmm. The, strat the strategy is, is 
is more involved in really understanding the the messaging, the all the the brand, all of these things, and and what you what you need to get to speak to the market. The tactics are how you do it. So once you've built that core, who is my customer? What are the challenges? What are the problems they solve uh, in each of the categories of customer? Uh, how how what is the benefit my product brings to each of those? Then you go to that tactical pool and say, what's now I know who they are. What are their challenges? What what my benefits will mean to them and where they are and how to reach them. Once I know those things, then I can start to look at the tactics. I mean, every while you got to build a website. I, I've done projects for companies. Their website is just a, a single sheet as a branding statement because it isn't it isn't how their customers are going to be be engaging with the product. So choosing those tactical tools, websites, LinkedIn, social media, uh, public stunts, uh, public relations, all of those types of things are, are, are only chosen uh, based on what we know about the strategy that we built first. And the big mistake that I always see in the market is I say, I'll ask somebody, well, what's your strategy to get this market? Oh, we're going to do SEO. And I go, okay, well, that's your tactic, but what's the strategy behind the SEO? What, what is the SEO supposed to do for you? What, who, what is the message? Where is it going to go? Who are the people that's going to contact? That's the strategy. Um, you know, a tactic could be wearing a sign and walking down the street at the mall back and forth with the name of your company. That's a tactic. It's not a strategy. Not a very good one. You know, mm -hmm. I've, I've seen these companies that I don't know if you've seen images here in the States, like in California, it's big. They'll put a guy on the corner spinning a sign to get people's attention. And you that they think that's a strategy to get people in. No, it's a tactic that might get some customers and annoy others. Um, it's they're, they're very different things and they tie together. You, you can't have good tactics without a strategy and having a strategy with no concept of tactic is a waste of time too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. <laughs> okay, thanks for clarification. Uh, let's talk about um, uh, A-B testing, for example. I'm sorry? Uh, A-B testing. You mentioned a few times about uh, uh, failing, that you can fail or uh, something yeah. like this. Uh, and uh, we don't know exactly uh, we will get results with these marketing campaigns or not. Uh, how do you provide your A-B testing? For example, uh, if you um, uh, get 1% uh, uh, of clicks, it's, it's failing, yes. But uh, if you get 5%, uh, you can feel much better. But uh, you probably can get 10% or 15%. How you provide this A-B testing to improve results? Yeah, it's it's called pilot programs. You know, it, to, to just jump into the market, and we, we, we joke, let's let's figure out the market that we don't mind failing in. What's What's the segment? What's the small customer that you want to test it out? before you you take it to the big boys like say you've got a you've got a program that really should be selling with the fortune 500 companies in america uh, because you really believe in it do you want to take the risk of a bad first impression no so let's find some smaller players that we can hone our message with that if we do fail we'd love to sell them but if it doesn't work like a, a, a project i'm working on right now is very much involved in in the convenience stores uh, it's a, a beverage company. So mm -hmm. many, many of the, the, the some of the, the, the convenience stores have thousands and thousands of locations, but you, they're not going to talk to you until you've proven that your stuff can work in a convenience store. We also have very small, what we call mom and pop convenience stores. Um, now being able to prove yourself in a mom and pop convenience store doesn't mean anything to the big guys 
because it's it's a, it's too small of a model. But getting in there and getting your equipment and getting your product in there and doing what you're doing in that small store really helps you to understand in a practical way how the community, how the customer interacts with with your product and your 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 ability to deliver. Then you take it to the next level. We've done our pilot. We've worked. We're making money in that store. The store owner is making money. Now you can go to smaller regional guys that have 10, 20, 30 stores and build a pilot program. Um, we were fortunate that that one of the largest uh, convenience store chains in the world came to us <laughs> for, for, for the product and they wanted to test it in their service because they see the value prop and, and that it's really something that the consumer is seeking. So we did we did a pilot run in several of their what they call their flagship stores, and now it's rolling out to maybe 500 stores, and eventually it'll be everywhere. But but you you always want to pick someone either either someone that you know that's in that industry that's willing to give you a shot because and you tell them you know we're we're honing message, uh, we'll we'll make you a special deal. We'll do a pilot program. We'll do something like that to learn better in the actual application of a product in the market, and then you grow from there. Many, many people are, let's just go. Well, it, there, there, it could be successful, but there's a lot more instances where it isn't. Um, I've seen companies that, that they, they hear in the U.S., ah, we, if we could just get on the shelves of Walmart, just get on the shelves of Target, we're going to make millions. And they don't realize how much cash you have to have and how much infrastructure and everything else you need to be able to support that business. A big order from Walmart can kill most companies because they're just not able to do it. So, so all of that, every single case is a case-by-case -case, uh, analysis and a decision to be made based on the data, the facts, and the value proposition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, deep insights about that. Okay, uh, uh, can you tell about content creation? Uh, for example, um, Uh, I can uh, explain why I want to ask this question. For, For example, sure. if you uh, want to market um, uh, any business, but you uh, are not exp have experience with this business, you don't know uh, uh, these products, but you should learn them. For example, you mentioned about uh, the beverage business and uh, um, how you can uh, create content or even marketing campaigns for uh, the business if you don't know exactly how uh, these products uh, can help uh, people decide their problems uh, uh, yeah share your way of learning yeah i mean i'm i'm not creating content for things that i haven't built a strategy first that's the point mm -hmm. is you know and I, i see it all the time people people put out content about about certain things that you can tell they don't know it you can tell they don't know the market And it's bad for their business. So in, in, in the beverage industry, this company that I work with, it's called Smart Soda. Uh, deep, in-depth research has been done into the beverage. What, what are the trends? Where, where, where is the consumer? What's happening? And, and I'll get the, the convenience store is a perfect example. If you, if you go to a convenience store in the U.S., the most profitable thing in the store the mo that makes the most money for the store is the fountain where you get a cup and you fill it with ice, you fill it with your drink and you go. It's the most declining sale in, in convenience stores. It's no longer the place that people go to get drinks. They still, when you do buy from the fountain, they make more money, 
and you get more for your money. You get a larger volume and you, you pay less because it's less expensive. But the consumer's been going to the cooler. So when you dig into the research, why is the consumer going to the cooler? They want something healthier than the kinds of stuff you get at the fountain, those brands that everybody knows. They want something that has uh, a special feature. They want like an, they don't buy just water. They want alkaline water. They want, uh, they want vitamin infused products. They want products that have energy and, and functional differences. So, so this company, Smart Soda, recognized that people are looking for healthier options. Now, Pew Research and Nielsen and several other research firms who've researched the, the food and beverage industry will tell you two interesting facts. Number one, the biggest opportunity for growth in the food industry are healthy options. And second, most people are willing to pay a little bit more for something that's healthy. It doesn't mean that if, if something that's not healthy costs a dollar and the healthy thing costs $10, they're going to buy it. But if it's a dollar versus a dollar 10, people will choose the healthier. So, so all of this data and information was, was gathered. So what did SmartSoda do? They created a new fountain system where first they convert all the water to alkaline, which is far healthier and better for you than the acidic waters that we drink. Second, every flavor that they make, whether it's a soda, a flavored water or otherwise, is vitamin infused with B and C vitamins. And they now have a system where you can customize your drink. So when you go to the fountain now, you can say you want, uh, I don't know, mango water with energy. You hit the button for mango water, you hit the energy button, and it custom mixes into your cup. And by the way, when you were going to the cooler to buy something like that, it was costing you $2, $3 for 12 ounces. Now for less money, you're getting 24, 36 ounces of it. And in that transaction, the store made more money. So you as the consumer are thrilled because you're getting more, you're getting what you want at the fountain and the store is thrilled. And then there's another layer. You're now you're going to talk to the store about why they should put smart soda on, on their, on their, on their menu, why they should put it at the fountain. Well, there's another thing. If you work in a convenience store, every time bottles and cans come in, you've got to stop. You've got to count them as they come in. You've got to stock all day. You're going back into that cold room. You're stocking the cooler. There's labor. There's logistics. It's expensive to keep it cold. So there's layers and layers of benefits. So you can see the message to the consumer, you're going to get more for your money and get that custom thing. You get to do what you want to do with your drink. For less money, you get more. Consumer's thrilled. The, the retailer making more money per transaction with less labor, less cost. They're, they're each of these values. So if we're now building this campaign we're talking about, we're going to create content for the stores. Yes, you're going to have thrilled customers, but the value to you, you need less labor, less cost, and you're going to make more money per transaction. If I'm creating content to go out on national to advertising and to let consumers know and point of sale and all those other things, the consumer doesn't give a crap if the convenience store is making more money. Do you care if when you walk in the convenience store, do you think to yourself, I'm going to buy this product over this one because the store is going to make more money off of me and it's more convenient. No, you buy because it's what you want. They're very different, very different messages. So when you understand all of the research that was done and you look at our core strategy, uh, it's a brilliant market. And by the way, every consumer knows, at least in our country, that these beverages that we've been drinking since I was since before I was a kid are bad for us. They're highly acidic. They, they have mystery sugars, fructose, and all sorts of things that, that we know are bad for us. 
And these guys came up with an alternative for a problem that we know that actually tastes better and they're good for you. So, so the, the messaging is clear. We're solving a problem that people know. Yeah. Now you're gonna... Clean water. <laughs> huh? Clean water. <laughs> yeah. This is okay. al alkaline, alkaline water. <laughs> okay, Andrew. Yeah, very valuable. Thanks a lot for taking your time, for sharing all these insights. Okay, before you leave, uh, tell our audience how they can find you, learn more about you. Find me. I'm, I'm right here. You can't see me? <laughs> Hello? No, I, you can find me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, obviously, my name is Andrew Deutsch. Our company is Fangled Tech. You also can find me uh, uh, almost 99.9% of my time right now is devoted to the folks at Smart Soda. Great, great company, great product. We're, we're expanding all over the world with, with what they're doing. Uh, I mean, I'm easy to find. Um, just don't, don't, don't look for me at jails or prisons. I'm not there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or at the bus stop. <laughs> okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen us on Google, Spotify, Apple, and thanks a lot. Yeah, a lot of valuable insights. I enjoyed our chat, you know. Yeah, you and I've learned a lot. <laughs> it was really a pleasure, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.